Welcome to this week's Refresh podcast, where we always learn so many things and how to refresh our lives. Juliet, you're up first this mm-hmm. week. What is a ketogenic diet? So being in ketosis? So yes, it's all the rage right now. I think it's probably the, the biggest diet people are trying and yes. probably failing at because it is very restrictive. Sounds very hard. Mm. So I spoke to Claire Collins, who is um, a professor of nutrition and dietetics at the University of Newcastle, and she's an accredited pro- practicing dietitian. Yeah. So she knows she's legit. Stuff. She, she knows, knows her stuff. She's exactly. Um, so we basically just talked about what this keto diet is and mm. how you do it, the pros and cons. So basically, um, a keto diet is where you're not eating very many carbs. Mm-hmm. So about, I think it's about less than 10% of your daily intake of intake of food is from carbs. Mm-hmm. So the rest is coming from um, fat mostly and mm-hmm. moderate, moderate amounts of protein. Mm-hmm. So um, to put it into perspective, I think per day, it's you're having between 20 to 50 grams of carbs. Yeah, that's really nothing. Which is nothing. Yeah. Aren't they yeah. in like... Isn't carbs in like fruit and vegetables yeah, and milk it's like lurking well, everywhere? Yeah, lactose, yeah. Oh, like fruit is like all carb, right? Well, yeah, there's like berries are quite low on carbs, but you know, like bananas and apples, they're very yeah. carby. But I mean, depending on who you talk to, they're, you know, they're good carbs. Yes. But with keto, you're really reducing that amount. Okay. So, um, you know, a slice of bread is 20 grams. So if your daily allowance is 20 grams of carbs, yeah, that's it. Once it's in done. one slice. Yeah. Then you can't have no. milky coffee or anything. No. Interesting. Um, Why? Where do you get all your fat from? So you're getting it from like Cheeses, dairy, meat, meat like bacon, eggs, Fish, Fish, yeah, yeah, um, nuts, seeds, avocado. So it's kind of like a more hardcore version of um, Atkins, sort of, slightly different. But the difference is you're actually measuring if you are in ketosis. So the whole idea is that um, our bodies, like our primary form of fuel for our bodies is glycogen, which is, you know, carbs. Mm -hmm. And what ketosis is doing is actually switching it to fat. Like our body is burning fat oh, instead of so carbs. So is your body like, I don't have any carbs, I'll just use exactly. my own fat. So it takes around three days uh, to get know, into that to get ketosis. into ketosis yeah. and okay. you start producing these ketone bodies. And mm-hmm. how you test them is you get these urine strips. So you test the urine if they're in there and you yeah. can also smell them on your breath. I was going to say, I this found that bizarre. so interesting in the story. I People that I know do really high um, protein diets, they do mm. have that bad breath it and smells that's what like that acetone is. so it's a bit like nail polish remover yeah. that's terrible it's i mean bizarre. like i know we all want to be skinny but no like we don't <laughs> want to stink either <laughs> well no we don't want to be very very skinny with bad breath but i thought it was also interesting that um your expert explained that it, it is beneficial for perhaps children with epilepsy yes. or the treatment of some cancers so i think this is quite got to important. treat carefully here exactly but, yeah i think we're quite flippant about it but um traditionally the keto diet you know was used to help treat um, epilepsy in, in children who's you know, it couldn't be controlled by medication yes. or they had to wear helmets because that was the only way that would yeah. protect them. Yeah. So this is a serious, it's called medical like nutrition therapy. It's not yes. something that's right. not just like, like I'm going to try this diet today exactly. and see. Yeah. And it can perhaps may help with cancer, but this isn't like go home and try it. No. This is under medic, strict medical supervision. Yes. And there's lots of research. Exactly. So Juliet, can you do like a keto-ish diet? Like, can you semi-follow the rules? Well, what she was kind of saying was that you, you know, if weight loss is your goal and you have perhaps quite a lot of weight to lose and you struggle with, you know, calorie-restricted diets and you're just hungry all the time, mm. this can help. Because mm. um, all that protein makes you feel and the quite fat, full, yes, right? That's, and the so fat. that's the main thing. Even though you're not eating as much um, as you usually would, you still feel full. Mm. Yeah. So that is obviously really good for weight loss. But... 
in the long term, so you know, further than a few months, it's really un- it's quite unsustainable. Right. Yeah. So you and it's quite then, restrictive in terms of nutrients yeah. if you're only eating a few food groups. Exactly. So hmm. you know, fiber might be lacking some phytonutrients. Yeah. They said constipation can be a side effect. Yeah. Oh, that right. doesn't sound fun. Bad no. breath and constipation. I know. No. So you might do it for a few months. You know, get the weight down a bit, and then you know, slowly go back to a regular diet and just kind of be careful. But mm. um, I mean, if you want to try it, just go see a doctor first. Yeah. I think. Always see a doctor just first. There's something up. that extreme, definitely. Yeah. The next one I wrote, inspired by someone, well, not someone, but something in our office, our it's kitchen sponge. Sponge, it's so <laughs> It great. was revolting. It's gone. it's gone now. I threw it out. I said goodbye. We had a funeral. <laughs> but, you know, 20 or 30 people in the office were using the same sponge for, I think, about four or five months. Yeah. And I had had enough. So I looked into it, and it turns out a study that was published last month proved that keeping a sponge for any longer than a week your sponge is just sitting there having a bacteria party, breeding all the kind of bacteria, the four main ones that cause food poisoning. But a week is like a minute. Mm. A week is like a minute, exactly. So the problem is you can't microwave them. So there's that trick where you microwave it with a bit of water kill and it's meant to kill the bacteria. It doesn't work. Soaking them in boiling water, it doesn't work. These little food poisoning bugs are really resilient. So they've said in the study that the really the only way to avoid that is to replace your sponge weekly. So maybe, I don't know, do you do like a Saturday shop or a yeah. Sunday yeah. food prep? Oh, that's an expensive habit, though. Well, that's it. Yeah. I mean, sponges aren't that expensive, but they're not that great for in- the environment. Yeah, so we looked my into next it. question. Yeah. And paper towels are recyclable, so you can use paper towels. So, I mean, that's fine for your bench tops and stuff, but you're not going to wash yeah, a plate with a paper towel because you're not going to kind of, you know... Yeah. This is another reason to get a dishwasher, everyone. And that's exactly yeah. what I found in the end was that any dishwashers made after 1998 generally are quite efficient. So, I mean, what? That's nearly two decades ago. ago. Yeah. So your, your dishwasher is probably newer mm. than that. Or if yeah. you're tossing up, um, be in the market for a new one. So <laughs> they're saying that um, they're called efficient modern dishwashers, obviously. Um, or that's about it. But you're all gross. <laughs> the end. Change your sponge. The end. Change your sponge, everyone. Um, now, this is doing very well on the site this morning. Number one red story. Uh, Emily wrote this. Um, micro cheating, what is it and does it count? What is micro cheating? Um, well, this is really interesting because I guess it's it's we all know what physical cheating is and that's you know like a pash or you know something mm. more I said in the article if you exchange fluids you've cheated <laughs> that was quite graphic um, but yeah <laughs> that's the line um whereas this is more I guess when you're playing with fire and perhaps not really cheating yes but you also know that you might be being a bit Cheeky. Yes. So um, I spoke to Mel Schilling and she basically said it's a series of seemingly small actions that indicate a person is emotionally or physically focused on someone outside their relationship. Mm. So this could be like secretly texting someone mm. if you feel like... And the point you said there is secretly, isn't yes. it? So if you're like not really doing it in front of your partner. No, it all comes down to intention. And because yes. this is what I got stuck on. I'm like, but like, we're all allowed to flirt a bit. Like I'm yeah, not... flirting's good for you. Yeah, and I'm not married. I'm not going to just stare at Luke all day and worship him. Yes. Um, <laughs> sorry, honey. But um, it comes down to intention. Do, have I got another man's phone, I mean, number saved in my phone under like a different name? Yeah. Am I yeah. hiding it from Luke? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not. Mm. Am I sending texts to someone that he would not be okay with? Yes. No, no I'm, I'm not. not. Yeah. All of that kind of stuff. So that's what it is. It's playing in the grey area. Yes. And, um, and there's so many shades of grey in yeah. that grey area. And that's, I guess, where it, it comes down to, you know, I think in your yeah. gut if you're doing something wrong or right. Yeah. But it's such a point of argument that you could 
very easily try and get out of it if you were being a bit cheeky. Exactly. And the other thing that's really hard is if you suspect your partner's doing it, how to bring it up without being like, oh, my God, you texted a girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're like, whoa. Whoa, psycho. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. totally. So um, just come from a place, you know, talk about with your partner, Mel was saying, and just be like, I, I so saw this. So you should this. bring it up, even yeah. if you think it's a little... Too little. The wording would be important, though. Yeah, and I think she she said to use specific examples and just sort of like, oh well, I saw that you did this, and this made me feel. Yeah, and when you take phone calls in the other room, or I don't know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. and see what they say. So you should bring it up with them before you like go through their phone or get an investigator (laughs) or something. Look, do what you want, but no, 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 (laughs) bring it up with them. Um, Yes, and um, yeah, and that's it. And. You know, just I think as you said, Lee, I think you know how it's making you feel. Yeah. Um, if it's like really yeah. worrying you, I think if you're doing it, I think you know if you're being you cheeky. Know. Yeah. You know, yeah, deep exactly. down. Don't be a jerk. Yeah, the, um, you're and don't be a jerk. This is what we've got so far. Uh, Julia, I found this really interesting. How much is a safe amount of weight to lose in a week? So here at HuffPost, a lot of weight loss stories do really well. People yeah. want to know how to lose weight fast, mm-hmm. which we've covered for you. Um, but now we're talking about how to do it safely in a week. Yes. This was crazy that to lose one kilo, mm. you need to have a deficit of how many? Was it? So it's... It's seven seven thousand seven hundred calories equals one kilogram. So to lose one kilogram, yeah. that means you need a deficit, which means you know the difference between how much food you eat and how much um, you expend. You expend through yeah. exercise. It makes it sound so hard. I know that's a lot, but. Per day, it's about 1,100 calories. Mm. Um, so if you're having like, oh, I don't this know. This is to lose a kilo in a this week. This is to this lose is a kilo in a week. In a week. Yep. Um, which is the safe amount. So 500 grams to one kilo is, you know, the safe yeah. amount. And I'm so glad that you point out that that is the safe amount because I think it shows, you know, like the biggest loser where you see people mm. losing oh, yeah. 12 kilos well, in a week. that's why, you know, two years later when you see them again, they've yeah. gained it all back. Yeah, like, and it's, it's just unrealistic for people in the real world who have yeah. jobs and don't just run through obstacle courses exactly. all day. Yeah. So 1,100 calories, um, you know, in a day to – I'm trying to think. Maybe like, you know, a Big Mac meal with chips and a Coke mm-hmm. if you just reduce that by one. I don't yeah. know if you're having that as an extra meal. <laughs> <laughs> for dessert maybe. Um, or if you want to lose, you know, um, the – 500 grams, which is a great yeah. amount, then it will just be, you know, around 500 calories yeah. less, which yeah. is, you which know, is, an extra snack or dessert or, yeah. you know, swapping some chocolate, a bar of chocolate with some fruit. Yeah. As um, we've talked about this, yeah, slow and steady wins the race. Yeah. yeah. And like you said, the quick weight loss, it, very tempting to, you know, to do those restrictive diets, cut carbs, um, but you'll I probably thought, gain it in the long, long run. run. And it exactly. slows down your metabolism, does yeah. all these things that isn't really helpful. And so, I thought it was yeah. really good that you pointed out there was an individual thing that it is easier to lose weight generally if you are yes. overweight yes. if you're in a healthy weight range and and you only want to shift a kilo mm. or two it might take a little longer because you mm. you don't have exactly. that much to lose which... and it might not even reflect on the scales like if you're doing weightlifting yeah yep. you might have just gained muscle so yeah exactly maybe it's more about this. how you feel yeah. and again in one of your stories em they said about use your clothes as a barometer so yeah use your clothes and how you feel rather than just the scales yes. yeah um, and then I wrote this next one. Does crossing your legs cause varicose veins? <laughs> These are the things we, we talk about. We're all crossing our legs right now. Three of us stay sitting crossing our legs, but we're doing it because, good news, it doesn't. Whee! Um So, yeah, short answer is that crossing your legs does not cause varicose veins unless you're already susceptible. So mm-hmm. they're hereditary. Um, they come from mum or dad. Um, so 70% thanks, of guys. patients, yeah, thanks parents, <laughs> 70% of patients that do go in to be treated for varicose veins are because their parents have had them. Okay. Um, and so if you do have them, then crossing your legs could exacerbate it, but you need to be sitting in that position for a really long period of time. Mm. Um, and then that's where it links into sort of the whole deep vein thrombosis yes. and stuff. So it's all about being in that 
same position to the point where you, like if you're asleep and you're putting pressure with your legs crossed or your leg goes numb or, but other than that, you really don't need to worry. So if you sit at your desk, um, don't worry about it. But there is treatments you can have for both varicose veins and spider veins. So varicose veins are those big wormy ones that mm. look like big blue worms. Yeah. And then spider veins are obviously look like a spider web, so they're much finer. Um, and there's heaps of treatments. I didn't realize there were so much treatments. You can have them removed. You can have them injected. Support stockings can help them be reduced. There's even something called vein glue. Oh. Uh, and they stick this stuff to the inside of the walls of the veins. Oh, like veins freak me out a bit. Yeah, okay. they're weird. I'm like, aren't they necessary? <laughs> yeah. How are you removing a whole vein? <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, cross your legs to your heart's content because to know. it's all good. And last but not least, Emily, you wrote how to work from home and actually get stuff done. Yes. This is such a good story for all the freelancers or entrepreneurs out there. Oh, yeah. I just don't think I could do it. No, and here's the thing. When I went on mat leave, people were like, oh, my God, you can work from home. And I'm like, are you like to me, that is so much harder yeah, to totally. do than coming into the office. Yeah. I've done it a few times for days here and there, and I do get a lot more done. But mm. I snack so much more. Mm. I'm honestly getting up to the fridge every twenty minutes. Yeah, and which you touched on in the article, I'll quickly do a load of washing, and I'm trying to do everything, which is silly because I'm at work. Yeah, mm. but you know, I spoke to I spoke to um, Jane Copeland, who does you know she started her own business from home, and she did that after her son was born. So she's got lots of experience. Mm. And she said, it's actually okay to do like, you know, because she said, look, life happens when yes. you're working from home. You can't, there's yeah. not much you can do about it. You will want to put on that load of laundry mm, or whatever. Yes. But here's the way to get around it. She said to work in short bursts of time. So for her, that's, she'll do an hour of like power work. And that is not checking Facebook. That is not looking at the, um, what, what the dishwasher is doing or anything. That is purely like work, 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 work. Right. So you choose your block whether it's an hour, two hours, three hours. Yeah, exactly. And that, and then that is like you're in like super office mode. Yes. And then after that, you can be like, oh, like how quickly, you know, make a meal or like whatever yeah, yeah. and um, spread it out throughout the day. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And she said, um, make your own routine that works for you. Like, so, um. Because you're at home, you don't have to work nine to five, you exactly. know. Exactly. As long as whoever you're corresponding you with by email or whatever, you could do a chunk in the morning and a chunk in the evening. Exactly. So she does a big chunk after her son goes to bed at yeah, seven. And she's smart. like, a lot of people would hate to work from like seven till 10. Yeah. She said, but for me, it, it works. really works. Yeah. And, um, and that's what I do. So, and mm. she's like, and I don't worry that that's not, a like a, I guess, traditional time slot, yeah. it works for me. Works That's for fine. Would you, I, the one thing I don't do is get changed out of my pajamas, but yeah. I know a lot of friends who freelance, they're like, no, nope, i got to get up and shower it. and put clothes on. Right. And then I'm working and I'm like, what? what? Love, I want to stay in my room. <laughs> You're not doing it right. And yeah. there's one more point that I think it was really good in terms of priorities. She said that so many people that she needs do, they focus on tasks that are urgent, but not important mm. rather than tasks that are important and not urgent. Mm. And I was like, whoa, that's trippy. What do you mean? Yeah, what is that? <laughs> she was saying that a task that's urgent but not important is something like replying to your email. So you look down, you've got all those things that you think you oh, need to do right yeah, now. Right. Yes. But you actually don't. You could probably do them yeah. in that 7 to 10 slot, like yeah. later on in the and day you or something. you be writing your story, for example. First yeah, thing. exactly. Yeah. Or making a sales call or doing things that's going to bring money to you yes. and um, in enhance your business rather than doing urgent admin that's not technically that urgent exactly wow so i was like wow that's good for everyone yeah people that work at home and people that don't i think everyone could use that bit of advice so with that thank you so much for listening this week guys be sure to sure to check out the other huff post podcast we've got many many great ones to listen to and we'll see you next week 